encourage us from a passage uh, that I've been thinking about, Deuteronomy chapter 10. Uh, the, the themes, as I thought about the two camps, were really could be summarized in this way. Uh, what we heard at MAC, what we heard at RYM, the one theme that I thought uh, fit both of them, what we heard about, was just that we have a big God. Uh, we have a God who is uh, amazing, uh, more so than we could ever imagine. Uh, at Mac, we heard about a God who is uh, expanding his kingdom, ruling and redeeming uh, all things, and uh, God's salvation is a big thing. Uh, it, the speaker, John Huggins, taught Caleb, I guess here at uh, was it Heritage Academy, uh, many, many years ago, but he was a great speaker, and he t- taught us the six R's of salvation and how a lot of times we narrow salvation to a very specific thing, which is true, which is that God forgives our sins. But salvation, in the biblical sense, uh, the Bible talks about it in much bigger terms than simply forgiveness. Of course, it includes that. Daniel, do you remember the six R's? No, no, no. That was the trouble all week is people wanted to stick regeneration in there, but that wasn't one of them. Yeah. We added it to the list because there are so many good R words in Christianity uh, that we should know. Good. Good try. Nope. Rule. God's bringing his rule, making things right again. Restoration. Reconciliation. Uh, renewal. Uh, we also, by the end of the week, added repentance and other good R words from the Christian faith. Um, in RYM, as has already been mentioned, we talked about God's sovereignty and how uh, God holds all the oceans uh, in the hollow of his hand. He, he measures uh, the entire universe, the entire universe, uh, with just a hand width. And that's how large God is. Um, and, and ruling over everything, including the difficulties in our lives. Um, and so, as has already been mentioned, I, I was so glad, every, almost everyone mentioned it, that we need this big God desperately. That's what we need more than anything, and to see that this God is our God. So let's read Deuteronomy 10. I just wanted to read from 12 to the end of the chapter. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? To fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them. You, above all peoples, as you are this day, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. And by his name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of heaven. In this passage, um, there's three things I just want us to notice briefly. The first is that 
the people of God here, Israel, have been given a monumental task. This is a book given to the people of God to encourage them, to shape them as they're about to go into the promised land. So they're about to take up their swords and literally fight uh, for the Lord. And what an intimidating thing. Uh, Some of you have served in in the military. Uh, I never have, and I can't imagine... uh, the, the faith in the Lord that it would have taken. But even more than that, the task was not only that, but once they got into the land, to be there as a, a giant billboard to testify to the greatness and to the majesty and to the grace of the Lord, to reflect God's image to the nations and to, to love the sojourner, to, to give generously, to reflect all of God's attributes so that as the nations came through there, through that cross piece, little piece of land that was a crossroads, that they would see the glory of the Lord and come to see who they truly were, that I was actually created by the only God that there is, this God, the God of Israel. And that's a huge task that they were given. So that was the situation, basically. So secondly, in in the passage, we see that this task is intertwined, um, this big task is intertwined with God's law. They were given a big law. Um, Just flip over just a couple of chapters back to Deuteronomy 4. And notice how the law was key to them in this task. Deuteronomy 4, starting at verse 5. See, I have taught you statutes and rules, as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom, that will be, uh, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the people's who when they hear all these statutes will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what a great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him. And what great nation is there that he has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I have set before you today. So you see that As the people were in the land, living out the law of God, that was a vehicle to accomplishing this task. As they reflected the beauty of the Lord by following his law, walking with him in covenant, that was uh, putting God's glory on display for the nations to see. So this this law is intertwined with the task. And, And what a big law it is. I mean, look again at verse 12 and back in chapter 10, 12 and 13. The only thing that God requires of you is that you love the Lord your God with all your heart and walk in all of his ways, um, with all your soul. Um, Wow, that's a a monumental statement. So easily, I mean, we're so used to those words, aren't we? Uh, Love the Lord with all of my heart, obey all of his commandments. Well, the truth is, uh, sometimes I really don't believe that they're for my good. I have a hard time seeing that. I'd rather make uh, you know, an excuse uh, instead of trusting. Even when I don't understand that it's for my good, I'd rather make an excuse than trust him and simply obey. Um, and then in verse 16, look down at what it says. It says, Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. Well, that's, just the, the, that's, the, that's the, the crux of it, isn't it? Uh, I'm a stubborn person. <laughs> I have a stubborn heart. 
Um, there's times when I want sin more than I want God. And so the call to, to repent, to circumcise our hearts, and be, no, be not stubborn, um, that call to change our hearts, what an impossible thing for us to do, to do in our own strength. Um, and that's, that's kind of the point, isn't it? That's kind of the point of the whole scripture. We need the Lord desperately. We need Him to change our heart, to open our eyes, to make us want to know Him, to make us see how much we need Him, to see how much we we have to learn about who we are and who He is. And so that leads us um, to need a big God. And that's really what we see here in verse 14. Look what it says. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens. God has a unique status as the owner and creator of all things. Look at verse 17. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God. He has not only... uh, incomparable greatness as the creator and the owner of everything, he has unparalleled power. There is no one like him. He is unique. He's one of a kind. And uh, as was pointed out during the conference, uh, actually, I think, was it Richie, guys, that told the story about a friend of his who was running, and he came around a bend, and there were two mountain lions there. And he was talking about the greatness of God and how incomparable his power is. And you know, uh, everyone says, well, you know, wild animals, they're more, they're more scared of you than you are of them. And Richie was saying, well, his friend came around the corner. Those two mountain lions, they were not scared of him <laughs> whatsoever. So he turned around and, and fled. Um, it reminded me of my own experience. Um, has anyone been to the Bass Pro Shops where they've got the two huge stuffed moose there? Well... That actually takes me back when I see those moose. We go there. I take the girls there on on daddy dates and things. But when I was, uh, I think, 13 or 14, I went to uh, Yellowstone Park with my my grandparents. They took our whole family. And I was out on a hike with my grandma, and I just kind of waited behind for them to go on ahead and then come back. Well, I wandered off the trail for a while, and I came upon these two huge bull moose. And, uh, you know, they weren't quite as big as the one in... The ones in Bass Pro Shops, so they were a whole, not, whole, not, a whole lot more alive. And um, I was shorter back then, so they were bigger. Um, but they were not tame, and I didn't know my own danger, and they could have torn me apart. Um, God, our God is not tame. He is powerful. He's the one who made those mountain lions uh, <laughs> and made the, the, the moose, and he made all of it. Um, he's unparalleled in his, his power and greatness. But also, he's unparalleled in his goodness. Look at verse 18. He is uh, executing justice for the fatherless and the widow. He loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. He is full of goodness and love and mercy. And so I would simply ask us, is this big God? Is this our God? Are we growing in our understanding? Are we taking the time to, as we read our Bible, as, as has been said, to connect these words to the reality of our lives. When we read about the greatness of God, the, great, the things that He's made, are we taking the time to think about that and how that matters um, in everyday life and how we live and how we treat others? Um, so many of the Psalms 
are just simply helping us be shaped in our delight and enjoying the fact that this God who is so big is our particular God. He is our God. Uh, Did you notice that in the passage? Over and over again, the phrase was, the Lord, your God. This God has chosen us. He has redeemed us. And what he says to us is, I am your God. I am gracious. I have saved you. And I want you to delight in me the same way that I already delight in you. Do you believe that the Lord delights in us? That he is joyful over us? That he sings over us? He loves us that much and he merely wants us to spend time delighting in him and give, us, give that delight to him and have that delight in him that he has in us. When we do that, then the law becomes much more than simply something we're told to do. It becomes a joy and a delight as well. And that empowers our task that we've been called to. So we have to keep all those things together. As we, as we struggle with our sin, we have to replace that with this vision of a great and powerful God who is also near to us, who is our God. He says, delight in me, even as I delight in you. Let's, let's just close by singing our, our final hymn.